0: Last Mile Logistics, the warehouses and storage facilities that sit within our urban built-up areas are fundamental to global supply chains and ensuring packages reach our homes. But when you say the word warehouses, people often picture polluting lorries and inefficient buildings. It is about
1: moving stock and goods around the economy in an efficient way and moving them in an efficient way reduces the carbon footprint of the economy as a whole.
0: I'm Ed Whitaker, and a warm welcome to the PatCast, the podcast from Patricia, the leading investment manager and partner in global real assets. In this podcast, we offer you insights on a range of hot topics from the real assets industry, from important sector trends to key business developments and strategic decisions. Today, we're taking a look at the role the logistics sector plays in the journey to net zero and exploring how the newly created GLI platform is leading the way in ultra-sustainable logistics development.
2: GLI is a new platform, it's a joint partnership between KSP and Patricia, which started in 2020. It um, came out of the pandemic and and what we could see going on around in the world with the need for um, more logistics warehouses in London. We are a sustainable industrial development platform um, in West London and we work across the capital to regenerate sites that are ripe for regeneration. So currently we've bought eight sites from Enfield, Charlton, Mitcham Croydon, Park Royal. So we're working right across London to improve the, the logistics provision for, for everyone.
0: That's George Hickman, Chief Operating Officer of KSP, a specialist urban logistics developer in London. He joins our conversation alongside Luke LeBrun, director at Patrizia, who you heard from at the beginning. We're recording this conversation in a historical travelling post office at the Postal Museum in London, the venue for an important industrial and logistics event called the Last Mile Conference. We start by looking at whether being ultra-sustainable is a genuine USP, or if the term is simply a form of greenwashing.
2: No, I don't think it's just industry jargon. Within our platform, we are trying to be as innovative as possible and push the the boundaries when it comes to sustainability. I think the term greenwashing is is a fair one, but I think equally this is something that's developing across the the industry. If you look at it in a positive light, people are trying to get on board and and to do more sustainable developments, but I think equally everyone's also trying to catch up a little bit with where we need to be. So I think there's there is a, a potential for people to make claims that, you know, they aren't necessarily fulfilling. I think within our platform we're quite comfortable that, you know, we're doing it kind of step by step in quite a kind of measured way. You know, we're lucky that we can because it's a ground up development, you know, we're starting from scratch. So we can put in all the things we want to do, P V panels, the electric charging, and kind of taking that to the next step now, we're doing you know, we're putting in batteries as well. I think we are making it as ultra-sustainable as possible and I think on that basis we can say that we're not just greenwashing. I think um,
1: greenwashing is a valid concern or criticism within the industry but the thing about greenwashing is it it doesn't do anybody any favours. It doesn't do the tenants any favours, it doesn't do the investors any favours, it doesn't do us any favours to try and just put a A wrapper of sustainability around something that isn't actually sustainable. The point of ultra sustainable, if you're talking about a building, for me is about creating something that is best in class and that is going to be appropriate for its use for a long time and it's going to work for everybody involved. It's going to work for us, it's going to work for the investor, it's going to work for the tenant, it's going to work for the community. It's sort of more logical it's more straightforward to do it properly. Being sustainable fits with the goals of our investors and our tenants and the communities we're building these in. So There's no point in greenwashing.
2: The the other thing that we're quite keen on is to be able to measure what we're doing so I think ultimately you get judged by kind of results so it's kind of important to us that with these with what we're doing on within sustainability that we can actually measure the impact on the buildings so obviously that's you can be judged against that you know whether we are actually doing what we say we're doing so you mentioned things like pv panels
0: what other new features or innovations are we seeing now do you think in the industry and particularly uh, the logistics sector that are kind of making that step change to driving more sustainable
2: development and asset management of warehouses well i think within the logistics sector i mean we're very focused on i think as everyone is at the moment power and the cost of power so obviously that leads into um, PV panels, but then what what you're actually using them for. Obviously there's a a move towards electric vehicles, not just cars but also vans and I dare say in due course HGVs. Working with our occupiers, obviously their big costs are transport and power, so you know these things really feed in and make a difference for them. I mean for us the next step obviously with those is, is how far you you go. Obviously, within the kind of London plans and, and building regs, there are you know there are guidelines. We try and go beyond that. So, for instance, in our first development in uh, Park Royal, we're providing 100% electric vehicle charging for cars and vans. We're doing um, uh, maximum PV coverage on the roof. We're also putting in uh, batteries so that we can make the use of the power that you know, we generate on site.
1: I think that's going to be really interesting. Is how the PVs and the batteries together can start to genuinely save occupiers operational cost. So we've done quite a lot of work around working that out and we think it's around pound fifty a square foot at the moment, but that will only be truly tested once our buildings are up and running and that mm-hmm. could be really important for our occupiers and how they how they run their buildings. Yeah, yeah.
2: No, absolutely. I mean I think with the our first development in Park Royal it's interesting because again it depends on you know, the occupier and their kind of power needs. In Park Royal obviously there are lots of Food manufacturers, so again in this building, you know, they have quite significant power needs, so actually being able to use the battery, um, you know, those, they're a 24 hour operation, so it makes a lot of sense for them. So again, I think you'll see more and more batteries coming into buildings.
0: Perhaps from a tenant's perspective, Luke, is that battery storage a kind of a, would it be a USP when you're looking to lease uh, a unit?
2: Yeah. It's, it's
1: relatively rare for logistics buildings to be offered with batteries as part of the base build specification and that is what we are doing. The industry and tenants are getting more used to using batteries to control their energy costs. We sort of have to work with them as we grow our platform to work out what is the right thing to do, how many batteries to install of what specification when we develop a building. Or whether it's something that we leave the space for within the building on the plant deck and allow our tenants to install batteries as they need it and as, as they develop. So it's something that we are trying to innovate on and roll out on, but it's gonna it's gonna change as we as we work with our tenants through the, through the life of the platform.
0: George, from your perspective, have you seen any other of your kind of competitors or developers, logistics developers, looking at battery storage, or do you think it's something that you've spotted early on?
2: Uh, I think we've been pretty uh, early on it. I'm, I'm aware that others are now looking at it, which is great. And I think that's, um, I'm all for that. You know, I think this has to be a kind of collaborative thing. Yeah, I think genuinely, you know, the whole point of this is to try and reduce carbon. You know, This is in everybody's benefit. So actually, I think that's the nice thing about our industry. Actually, I think there is quite a collaborative approach and, you know, people do share information. Yeah. And I, I hope more and more people do kind of um, follow our lead.
0: And When you compare logistics to other asset classes, residential office for example, where do you think the logistics sector is in its decarbonisation journey? Do you think it's behind other sectors, ahead?
1: There are phenomenal opportunities within logistics to decarbonise. I mean, we've got more acreage of roof space than than any other sector. So PV panels are an obvious area for the sector to, to get its nose in front of offices and retail. But we haven't been terribly good that getting that done. I mean, within Patrizio, in the Netherlands, we've rolled out PV panels across our entire logistics portfolio there, which has been a great success for our tenants. But in the UK, because of lease structures, it's more complicated. It's not to say we shouldn't do it, but that's an opportunity where logistics could get its nose in front, but hasn't quite got there yet. Yeah. But in many ways, our buildings are relatively simple compared to new office buildings and so by definition offices offer more opportunities to reduce carbon footprint and energy usage but as sheds or big boxes as the industry sort of affectionately but maybe ironically now call them I think as they get more sophisticated we'll start to see more opportunities for logistics to contribute and I think if you take a step back and look at what the sector as a whole is doing, it is about moving stock and goods around the economy in an efficient way. And moving them in an efficient way reduces the carbon footprint of the economy as a whole. You've got individuals driving their individual private cars to shops to acquire their goods and then back to their homes. That is more carbon intensive than one van doing the same trip for many households. I think it's something that we need to understand more and then communicate. To a certain extent that image of logistics being a lot of heavy lorries and sort of diesel container ships everything is is a a little bit unfair in
0: in some ways. So we've learned that ultra-sustainable development is a genuine route to future-proofing a logistics asset. So let's now explore whether there's a trade-off between achieving sustainability and ensuring your asset is profitable. So when you consider kind of the backdrop of global uncertainty that we that we're seeing at the moment how do you think the logistics sector is reacting to some of these macro trends uh, such as rising inflation and rising interest rates
2: from a developer's point of view rising bill costs uh, are a challenge for us but to a certain extent I think what we are developing provides a certain amount of protection both from the investor point of view, but uh, I think also from, um, from the occupier's point of view there's a sort of intangible benefit from not just, I think we're, we're seeing it already actually, in the you know, pricing and the way that assets are valued, you know, this gives them a certain amount of, kind of added added value, but also when it comes to occupiers, you know, they want to take new space, they want to take sustainable space so we're aware of the challenges, but I think there's still I think it would be the wrong thing to row back on these sustainable innovations that we're doing, albeit that you know, they, they cost a little bit more, but I think you get that back in, in, the, in the value.
1: When we are thinking about these global macro challenges, none of us could have predicted what has happened in the last couple of years when we started this platform off but there's a couple of things that have gone in our favor. One is, if you think about what a logistics building is, it's the most flexible form of real estate. It is a large area within which a tenant can do whatever suits their business. So that means that we are, by definition, flexible. So different tenants, different sectors can come and use our buildings as the economy evolves and as we adjust to things like reshoring or growth in e-commerce. Um, and changes to those to those trends and also what we try and do as part of this Patricia KSP JV is look through short term volatility and try and invest where we see a need growing out of much larger macro trends like urbanization like decarbonization digitalization so hopefully we are looking through some of these short-term challenges to provide something which the market, and London in this case, specifically needs for the long term.
0: And I guess when you think about you know, the most recent challenge being Covid, um, a lot of other sectors like office, kind of there was a readjustment in terms of the space that's required. Logistics, for example, did was that hit particularly badly or did demand actually go up because of the right, the, the push to e-commerce? It,
2: I think, I think we, we recognise this um, pretty quickly, I mean our, our platform came about in 2020 when we were all sitting at home <laughs> wondering um, what we were going to be doing next and ordering stuff online, you know, we could see that you know, demand was, was, was changing very quickly, the, uh, the amount of online business went you know, through the roof albeit you know, it's, it's, it's come back a bit since but the direction of travel is clear. So that's a market that's only really going to grow, I think.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's right. The We have not built enough logistics buildings. We have lost too much land to alternative uses, mainly residential, particularly in London. So there is a clear demand, a need there. But as the sector changes, as e-commerce increased, to service last mile or to service grocery delivery, it requires more warehouse space to do what the industry has been doing for years so all of it points to the need for more facilities like the ones we're trying to provide in, mm-hmm. in this platform yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and I think another point there is that you know, some of the developments we're looking at we're now looking to push the the envelope literally in, in terms of um, the heights of you know, our warehouses but you know with um, consideration there's obviously you know, warehouses you could argue should be looked at you know in terms of volume so we're trying to push the volume where it's sensible to do so you know this is again coming back to and it's it's a sustainability point as well actually it's about providing efficient use of space so there's um you know there's no point building massive warehouses unless people are going to there's a need for them but i think within within london in particular areas you know that's that's undeniably the way things are going
0: and when you think about these, these challenges that, that we've discussed, how do you think this will impact investments in sustainable initiatives such as the battery storage and the PV panels? Do you think it will impact them in any way or keep no. us on the, the path to net zero?
1: That's re- it's a really interesting one. I think what you're asking quite explicitly there is, what is, is there a trade-off between sustainability and, and profitability? Are investors going to withdraw capital expenditure on sustainable projects in order to keep the cash in there? pockets or to to cut costs. I don't see the two in opposition at all. I think the more sustainable a building is, the more of a long term future that building has, and the more desirable it is to a wider section of the market. And therefore, by definition, the more profitable it will be because it's a better product. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to create not ultra sustainable buildings for the sake of being ultra sustainable we're trying to create ultra sustainable buildings because that's what a best in class logistics facility is today and so therefore investors money if it is withdrawn from sustainable initiatives they'd be shooting themselves in the foot in many ways what we're trying to do is move the conversation away from we're going to value engineer out half our pv panels or half our ev charges out that's thinking short term rather than long term so I'm trying to see profitability and sustainability as supporting each other rather than in opposition to each other.
2: Yeah, I mean, sustainability by definition is you're looking longer term, aren't you? So I think you have to, you have to look through these things. And as you clearly this is um, your future proofing the assets and creating, you know, but again, you know, best in class, prime assets. You know, even in times of you know, market downturns, prime is, is, where, is what people want.
1: Like to think about it like if you were sat down in your with your cost consultant in a meeting and said right well we're going to slash we, we we're not going to build this with a roof that's going to save us a ton of money well a building needs a roof <laughs> so I mean we're going t- it's try and think about it in the same way with PV panels and with our sustainable specification is that's just part of the building it's right. not something that can be value engineered out it's part of what makes the building the, what it is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And as I said earlier, you know, I think we're lucky in that we're you know, building from the ground up. So I mean, really, this is, this is the time to do it. If you try and retrofit it in 10 or 15 years time, which you're going to have to do, whether it's by regulation or because the market demands it, it's only going to cost you more. So it, it wouldn't make sense to cut back now. And I guess,
0: Luke, just finally in this section, from an, from an investor's perspective, and, and obviously Patricia, we work closely with lots of institutional investors. Do you have to put the case forward about some of the capex investments in sustainable features or do they get it? Does Do they understand it's an important part of creating a profitable future asset?
1: We always have to make a very clear business case for spending our investors money. That's what being a good steward of their capital is. But I would say by and large our investors are 100% with us on. Prioritising sustainable specifications for our buildings—it's uh, an argument that feels like has been won. So I feel like we are all on the same—we're all on the same page, and, and increasingly so as well with our tenants now as well, which is which is fantastic to see.
0: We've established that profitability and sustainability aren't at odds with each other. So looking ahead, how can we ensure that governments, investors, developers, and communities? work better together to achieve that dual return. Does government regulation inhibit or advance the progress towards net zero in the logistics sector, do you think? And perhaps you could point to any success stories in Europe where logistics or ultra sustainable logistics, you know, is kind of a really strong proof point and how government legislation has supported it.
2: The kind of the elephant in the room at the moment is still embodied carbon. You know, we're doing as much as we can to create operationally net zero buildings. I think the embodied carbon, whole life carbon piece is still, um, needs to be improved. And I think probably government do need to kind of take a lead on that. We obviously, within our platform, we voluntarily do what we can to offset the the carbon impact that we, we have. But I think it needs to be brought to the fore I think this debate you know one of the things that we're looking at is, is obviously the materials that we can use I think that kind of helps to improve things and that's the point of the you know the kind of carbon offset pricing but uh, I think there's still there's a long way to go on that
1: I think one area where we could get really helped by changes to regulation is planning planning is a point of difficulty within our platform when we're trying to deliver our schemes it's a bit of a bottleneck yeah. at the moment and what that is doing is it's stopping sites from, from being delivered and it's making harder for older completely redundant or even derelict or demolished sites to be brought forward for sustainable development. What that is doing is it makes brownfield sites harder to develop. Brownfield sites are almost by definition more sustainable locations, they're sat within the populations that are there to service. And it means that other sites that are more greenfield or further out might be looked at. But if we can remove blockages in the planning system, that would really help us to deliver uh, sustainable buildings more efficiently.
0: And do you think, from obviously Patricia, with our kind of global footprint, uh, have you seen any markets where logistics development has been easier, perhaps, in any countries because the planning is slightly easier, or is it kind of common thread across most of most of Europe? we're
1: increasingly growing our, our footprint in Asia and in, in the Far East multi-storey warehousing in urban locations is well established there it's no longer a story and everyone here is, is well aware of that it's remarkable in many ways how we have been unable because of our planning regimes here, maybe as well the market has got something to blame for that as well, market actors are looking at different ways of delivering logistics on site and intensifying our uses. They have certainly been much better at doing that over in the Far East. Closer to home in Germany timber frame construction is much more widespread, it was slightly more enlightened view towards fire regulations and other things which really reflect a dated view of where timber frame technology has got to. I'd like to see our market evolve a little bit more towards more creative use of building materials. Yeah, and reuse of building materials as well.
0: So, with the GLI platform, it's kind of focused purely on, on London, which is incredibly built up with many communities. What do you think? What role do you think ultra sustainable logistics can play within communities in terms of creating smarter and better connected cities?
2: I think every time that you regenerate a building, whatever its scale, it has an impact on the people, obviously immediately um, around it, the community around it that's just kind of in its physical form i think within the logistics you've also you know you've got a very visual aid to seeing you know the movement of goods and and providing a service to the people you know in that community and we are talking last mile so i'm very aware of where my ricardo shop comes from (laughs) if i'm allowed to say that um and and i notice their electric buildings i I know people locally who work for ricardo you know it does have an impact so i think you can feed all that through i think equally also within you know what we're doing we do try and work with the local community particularly within our platform at the moment we're looking at what we can do we've chosen um, canals and waterways which again are a kind of lifeblood you know through much of London but have been slightly kind of forgotten so we're working to with local communities to improve those facilities yeah I think that's, you know, that's the story of regeneration absolutely it, it gets noticed and it's it's um, it's very important
1: I think that's absolutely right and the work that the KSP guys in particular have been doing with the canoe clubs and everything has been has been great to see and the canal cleanups has been good to see but again take, taking a little bit of a step back there's a lot we can do with good quality design, with good quality consultation, engagement with local communities as, as we're building out. What we're trying to do is provide quality spaces for good employment, for, for quality jobs. That's an important consideration. I mean A lot of us in this platform grew up in London. We are Londoners. I grew up in South London, in and around these areas. So I know these locations very well. And I know, I don't want to put something there that I'm going to be driving past every day and thinking it's a big grey blot on the landscape. We want these things to fit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, again, uh, for instance, our development we're doing down in Mitcham at the moment. It's part of a, a much larger industrial estate, which... Probably until a few years ago would have been a, a relatively secondary location, but I think, you know, again working with the council and the local stakeholders, I think everyone can see that hopefully this can be a catalyst to, you know, a wider regeneration of, of that area.
0: And I guess in closing, do you think there's room for investors, developers, tenants, and and also governments and local authorities to work even closer together in delivering ultra sustainable urban logistics?
1: Yes, without doubt. Yeah, there is space for that. And there's signs that that collaboration is happening, the consultation with the GLA on intensification of of land, the London Plan showed at long last an acknowledgement that we needed to protect our employment zones and our industrial spaces, but it's it's really just a beginning. I think we need to get a lot better at communicating to local authorities, to councils about what logistics and light industrial buildings are and the function that they serve within our economy and within our society. And I think also there's a piece that we can do we need to do as developers to show that we are actually responsible parts of that collective group and that collaboration. We're not just there to to you know shred every last pound of profit out of a out of a patch of land. Um, just doesn't the industry just doesn't work like that anymore.
2: I think, I think, funny though, I think the pandemic also has brought that home. I think it's, you know, everybody, you know, uh, whoever they are, are aware of logistics and how important it is, both um, domestically, internationally. You know, we've all seen the impact of the pandemic had on, on all our lives.
1: I'd like us to be both sitting on the same side of the table as a local authority and as a developer saying, right, what, how, how can we deliver something on this space rather than the system at the moment which sort of does place you in opposition with with the various um, engaged groups which is not healthy in the long term for our city.
0: I guess when you think about the kind of the you know the economic impact of some of these sites like park for All, they're they're huge to a, a local area in terms of the job creation that they that they make.
2: Absolutely I mean that's that's um that's why it sprung up you know it's because of the um the local workforce, and obviously it's, it feeds—it literally feeds—you <laughs> um, know, West London.
0: Thank you to our guests George Hickman and Luke Lebrun, and thank you for listening. I'm Ed Whittaker, and you've been listening to the podcast from Patricia. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to head over to our website patricia.ag to find out more. Stay safe and healthy. Until next time.
2: This podcast is produced by OG Podcasts. Find out more at ogpodcasts.co.uk